0: Hi, I'm Dylan Taylor, Chairman and CEO of Voyager Space Holdings. I'm Ken Evans, Founder and CEO of Orbit Guardians.
1: Hi, I'm Raphael Rotkin, Founder of E2MC Space Ventures.
0: And I listen to The Cold Star Project. And I listen to The Cold Star Project. And I listen to The Cold Star Project. This show is for entertainment purposes only and is not what is termed professional advice. The Cold Star Project is proudly presented by the Operational Excellence Society. Coldstar Star Tech is a supporter of the OpEx Society, and Jason Kanigan is a member of its Board of Advisors. Talk with us at Coldstar Star Tech to find out what we can achieve together with your Lean Six Sigma or Operational Excellence programs. And check out opExsociety.org to learn more. Today's guest is Becky Schultz. She is the CEO at Compass Technology Group, and I'm super excited to have her on because uh, in my first meeting with her, I was like wow she gets it (laughs) when it comes to commercialization of products being created through sbir sttr grant awards uh, she is leading compass technology group into those uh, grant projects with the overall goal that yes we are going to turn this into a product And commercialize it and sell it. And that is quite a bit different than many, 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 many many space and defense business owners uh, who I will term grant shops uh, who I've spoken with. Becky has a Master of Science in Bioengineering and Biomedical Engineering from uh, one of our favorite places, the University of Texas at Austin, and also an MBA from DeVry. So she is well prepared and ready to go out there and uh, lead her company in the business world she has been the CEO at Compass for seven and a half years or so and then before that she had a long career as an officer and lead research engineer at Armstrong Laboratory working uh, for the United States Air Force as a research engineer so listen up because you're gonna get some great advice here if you're a student wanting to know how this all works with the SBIRs and STTRs if you're a company owner or a project manager principal investigator maybe this is really going to be valuable to you becky welcome okay so you have a pretty unique background becky uh, that is relevant to the sbir slash stdr grant process and, and award in that so i guess let's start off and tell our listeners and viewers a bit about yourself
1: sure i i do have a very kind of varied background there i um have a degree in engineering electrical environmental engineering and I was in ROTC, so I went to the Air Force for 10 years, active duty, worked in R&D during that time, also got my master's degree in engineering, but while I was in, um, had a chance to work on the small business innovative research, or SBIR, from the Air Force side, so I was a technical contact manager of some programs, and got to work with small businesses as the Air Force representative, um, and working them develop a a product that could be used and be something useful to the Air Force. Um, When I got out of that, after 10 years, I worked in a few different small businesses. So learning basically how to manage, learning some of the accounting, uh, helping to run teams in a small business. So when the opportunity came to start up a business to go after SBIRs, I got my MBA and decided that was a good good combination of background to then start my own business
0: right right yeah and so you have actually been on the other side of uh, approving or denying commenting on these things Uh, and I think that's that's really important so you know you start a company you want uh, to get grant money what was the purpose what was your initial intention of getting this grant money I've talked to a lot of uh, defense contractors and business owners Uh, that's how we met Uh, just privately finding out like why and some (laughs) there's different purposes right some want to fuel their pet projects some want to develop a tech or an intellectual property that they can control Uh, you had a different purpose so tell us about that
1: yes uh, some of the people as we started up were coming out of academia where they kind of just invent stuff and it never Mm -hmm. goes anywhere and that was a big part of why we started up we wanted to see our products Become something and get out in the field and help people. So, we did start mainly with SBIRs just because we found that it's been a great way. I mean, they call it the America Seed Fund for a reason, and it is a great way to help start up ideas and things that you have. Um, We had some specific customers and we knew their needs and knew we had the background to do that. And we wanted to, though, take that and move on to further. Like I said, actually get devices out and sold commercialized. So we have developed kind of a three tier base here where we have SBIRs, but then we also have devices that we then work, take off of there and work on selling and trying to get those into different markets. And we also offer measurement services here. We've got an expertise in electromagnetic. Um, properties of materials, being able to measure that. So, we have people send us materials, which helps us find new fields.
0: Okay. Now, you mentioned customers. (laughs) Yes, customers. (laughs) Very important word there. Um, And so, how did you find these customers, or or how did they find you?
1: That's, um, you know, it started out as word of mouth. Mm -hmm. We had certain people that we knew we're customers in the specific field with the Air Force and were interested in these things. Um, as we started Going um, to conferences and giving presentations, getting word out that, hey, we can do these measurements for you. We started branching into some other fields. We had people coming from the automotive industry looking at radar and needing, you know, bumpers, the materials going into bumpers on cars. And so we branched out that way. Uh, recently we've started branching out people coming to us and hearing, hey, can you measure this? Let's measure building materials for you know, shielding in buildings and how it prevents cell phone signal from getting through um camouflage on towers people start huh. hearing that we can do this testing and they start coming to us and then once we can do the testing we say hey we can give you the products to test yourself if you want and so mm-hmm. then they buy purchase all
0: right so you know again a lot of the founders that i talk to with that inventor mindset want to get one grant after another right and uh, and they're always on the search for the next bag of money and I've seen some run out of money on project A, and then they're like, well, I guess I've got to give up on that and rush to project B, right, to try and get funding for that. Um, I think you've avoided that entirely. So maybe elaborate a little bit on your process for doing that.
1: Yes, we um, we didn't want to be just a cyber house where that's all we did is one cyber after another. So we are writing proposals takes a long time. <laughs> it's a lot of effort. So we are Picky about what we submit as proposals. Mm-hmm. We look for things that are in our wheelhouse for what we're looking for. Um, and uh, there's some luck in there also, we got some good first phase sippers that we've been able to develop into uh, third, you know, phase twos. We even have some phase threes now. And we've got a set of them. A lot of it is taking our, you know, microwave or electromagnetic spectrum NDE testing mm-hmm. evaluation mapping that out, putting it on robots Mm. and collecting data. Um, So we've kind of combined several different SBIRs that were out there for A, for doing the testing, B, putting in robot systems, and then the big data. You put in robot systems, you've got a lot of data to control now. Mm. And we've been pushing since our first system that, hey, there's lots you can do with this data and tracking whether it's a canopy or a radome, for instance, throughout its lifetime. But to, there's, you got to do something with all that data. So uh, we were able to get uh, this grouping of SBIRs that are all different, but that were mm-hmm. working together to create a full solution.
0: Okay. So there was a yeah framework, an overall strategy rather than right. linking off uh, pet projects one at a time, let's say. Okay. Talk to us about your experience uh, on the receiving side of uh, grant awards, the the whole process. I want to hear about quirks and takeaways, frustrations, maybe that that would be valuable for other people.
1: Yes, like I said, the the SBIR, the Seed Fund of America is a great program and that someone's willing to give you money to develop IP, develop solutions. And then not only are you allowed to, but they want you to go out and sell it to others and commercialize it and get it out to as many people as you can. So that has been a great way. I mean, that's how we started and have run our business completely so far is through starting with that and then being able to take and commercialize from there. Um, Some of the frustrations, it can be a slow process. It can take Years from, you know, when sometimes when a solution, a need from a customer, they come up with a solution, it could take a year or two before the SBIR program actually picks it up and puts it out there. Mm -hmm. And you got a few months to proposals, three to six months to get an award. That first award is little. You got to wait for the next one. I mean, it's years down the road. And sometimes the customers are like, what did we want? Oh, we don't need that anymore. Huh. So okay. it's a constant, it seems like it's a moving. We've gotten to that point and said, okay, well then what do you need and what can we do to really help you? Um, so some of that, just that slow process. I know at least I've mainly dealt with Air Force has worked on finding ways to speed that up with our AFWorks program and with some other mm-hmm. things. Some of that's helped a little bit, but it can still sometimes be slow as a small company where, you know, we can move quickly and get solutions quickly. So it feels like we have to stop and wait for the contracts to catch up. Um, okay. Also, it can be difficult to find the current end users. And I know Air Force is also working on that. But sometimes, again, the the, the uh, customer who we're to have a contract with doesn't mm-hmm. really know the requirements or really doesn't know what the end user or who's going to use it in the end. So we've had to go through some of our contacts and figure that out and pull them in and say, I don't know if this is who you meant it for, but we're going to build for this person because this is Mm -hmm. something they need. So that can be frustrating also.
0: Yeah, interesting. So you're going further down the line. Um, The Michael Mealings of the world will appreciate that. Who's your customer's (laughs) customer, right? Um, Right. That's that's really good. So. (laughs) that's that could be that could be difficult though because yeah the slow pace right you've got to stay alive while you're going through that and waiting and then the award like you say the first one is kind of small right uh and and then you've got to produce results with that and then the second one is is a little more substantial um but i like what you brought up about um the end customer maybe saying no we don't want this anymore uh or or Things have changed, right? And so what do you do in that situation? Do you do you try and find another customer or you know, a way to adapt that technology, or do you just put it on the shelf and say, Nah, this isn't viable then?
1: Well, we've gone out and either found other customers or found okay, if you don't need this anymore, why? Is it because you found a new solution or is it that you just gave up or you found a workaround and how can, what can we tweak with it and still make it something that uh, will work for what you're doing? Um, but a lot of times it is also going out and finding those other customers, uh, which can be hard. Sometimes it's having the connections that you know who might be using this. We've actually found it hardest. It's, um, yeah, we've had mainly Air Force contracts And we're, you know, it's like, I know the Navy and Army can use some of this, especially Navy, but we're having a hard time breaking in over there Mm -hmm. to get to that. We've almost had a better time going, like I said, we've gone to other fields getting into whether it's uh, agriculture or um, uh, automotive or something Mm -hmm. and are breaking in there almost easier than it is to get to the other services.
0: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, maybe more of a business-type equation there than um, flight heritage or what have you, right? Whatever right. use case heritage. All right, well, let me give you a chance uh, to tell everyone, Becky, about um, the kinds of products, the kinds of solutions that you've developed. Uh, uh, just tell us a bit about what kinds of problems you're solving and how you knew the market would be interested, uh, obviously, by getting that customer feedback. But let's get into some examples.
1: Yeah, yeah the... um how we started and what we do with the Air Force is very much a niche market. Uh, We measure the electromagnetic properties of materials. So we started out with a um, contract that was to put in a system for uh, QA of canopies. And then we have since also moved that to um, radomes. So we have developed a sensor. It's just basic antenna. There's nothing spot probe, nothing big about it, except that it is encapsulated. So it's protected and it's small. So we have put that with a robotic system to be able to scan a whole system. Um, we can scan like right now with radomes. They, they test those when they bring them into the depot to check and see if there's delamination or if there's any problems by tapping it with a coin. And that is still the way it's always done. And they have to go through this whole surface tapping. They grid it out and tap and they're listening for a change. Um, So what we've changed now is we've taken that subjective hearing change that you have to have someone specially trained to understand what it means. And we use um, a probe on a robot that now can scan and make a map of the entire radome. And then this is where we've used some of our other contracts, that other SBIRs. So one of them was getting that system to map it. We've got some others that now create a digital twin of that radome Mm -hmm. and can do further testing on it instead of having to send it to a range, which could be Mm -hmm. very expensive and take a long time. Mm -hmm. And then again, like I said, you've got the data, uh, big data collection, and then um, being able to pull out what you need and be able to look at look at data. Across the lifetime of that radium, for instance
0: all right so, and, yeah. yeah and the last time we talked you were mentioning uh food industry application right. as well yeah
1: so what we're with these microwave NDE, so we've got those and that's what we're doing for the air force and like i said for automotive and things like that but we started looking at it and found out well in for instance chicken breasts the chicken breasts as they go through apparently there's different um, stages are different quality. Um, and someone is sitting there poking them as they go through the line to check. And again, it's a subjective, oh, this is a one, this is a two. You know, Some are good for dog food, some are good for high-end restaurants, but they need to know. And the only way they can tell is by sitting and poking them. So it's not that much different than the tapping of the radome. But since it has to do with water and that's dielectric, it could be measured with RF or microwave um, devices. We're finding, we did some initial studies at least to show that by putting a probe on a um, a belt that's going by with the chicken breast, we can start to tell, they can tell what, you know, what categories and how they're going to be rated with that. So that's again, this is an area we're just trying to break into and find, working with a couple different people, trying to get into some and find out what exactly they need. Mm -hmm. and how we can meet those needs
0: yeah I'm curious about how you even heard about that opportunity or (laughs) like, I'm not certain how we got the chicken
1: breast yeah (laughs) but there's also with like crops uh, a lot of anything having to do with water that's where we were Mm -hmm. starting to think what what things are out there you know Mm -hmm. someone we we started talking to some people someone else said well cheese is one and you know there's Mm -hmm. crops someone had said that they were looking you know cranberries out in the field they'd love Mm -hmm. to just you know you know, put a wand over them and tell if they're ready, you know, how what the hmm. water content is, yeah. what it comes down to. And it's like, well, that could work. So
0: <laughs> can we adapt this? Yeah, a little bit. Right. How can so, we adapt
1: this to work there?
0: Yeah. So I think our, our next subtopic is about the the shift in the types of problems I imagine that you have in, in just operating a business, right? At the beginning when you're getting grants, it's um it's pretty specific and you're lining up maybe some partners in that to help you out or or renting a facility to get some capability or whatever. But when you move into actual production, like we're going to make this now and we're <laughs> selling it, it's not just a demo, right? Uh, I think right. you have different problems, right? Suddenly you're dealing with uh, supply chain issues or something like that. What can you tell us about that, that shift and what you've had to adapt to to become good at managing uh, the commercialization, right?
1: Right, a lot of the initial when you have um, SBIRs, really that phase two is a is a prototype coming out of it, and Mm -hmm. you build a lot of our things are very niche, so we build one or two, so it really wasn't beyond a prototype level. Um, A lot of when we started, we outsourced all the machining and everything. Mm. But as you're trying to get into quality and timing and you, you didn't have that control. So we started yeah. building up a machine shop. We actually have CNC and a mill and a few other things here, a whole bunch of 3D printers um, so that we could keep prototyping, but even build, do some of our own, at least low production rate building. But now as we're starting to get into these, some of these areas where now we're you know getting out of just selling tens if we're lucky of something that we want to i mean that's the whole idea is to be able to get into these markets that hundreds or you know thousands now how do you keep up with that and how do you change your thought um you know are people with the prototypes and then with uh something that's kind of in a lab situation and it's expensive that's what this type of equipment is you've got to have it's got to look really good it's got to you know have software that's very um flexible can do lots of things scientists want to get and change things and do everything Mm -hmm. so we that's one way of doing it now as we're getting out that it's something that's going on a production line or in the field it's a got to be very rugged yeah but then you also have to make it a lot cheaper i mean it can't be this you know handmade each piece you've got to find ways to make this at a much higher rate um, at you know so that it's cheaper um, and then really looking, at you know, they don't want software that does a whole bunch of things. They want the software to say pass or fail. Mm-hmm. And that's all they need to know at that point. If they're doing it like as QA in a, you know, manufacturing line mm-hmm. or out in a, um, uh, you know, somewhere where the people bringing in, farmers are bringing in crops or something. Mm-hmm. That's all they want to know now. They don't need this fancy software. So it's a little bit different
0: mm-hmm. thinking
1: on how it's developed and what's being used
0: hmm huh. So you might actually have to redesign the user interface as you
1: <laughs> as yeah, you scale definitely. up.
0: Yeah, the use case of there it is. Huh.
1: We okay. have two different sets of our software. All our devices we usually have software. And you know, our initially the first one, it was very much a it's what the scientists, and that's who we have here developing it, you know, what they want to use. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they want to be able to change things and play with it and do different things. But when it comes time to go to production. They're like, no, no, no. We don't want the technicians to play with it. They right. can't change anything. <laughs> it needs to stay the same. Just say pass or fail and move on. Mm-hmm. So, hmm. yeah, we we had to do a switch in the way we thought about it and come out with a whole new user design.
0: Huh. Um, the funding for that, where does that come from? Does that come from sales of the of the product, or can you build that into the the grant, or what?
1: Um, the, it depends, it kind of depends. (laughs) Some of it is developed from where we start selling devices, um, to Mm -hmm. people and we've kind of changed and and built that into multiple licenses. Now that we've got a few, you can kind of build that in and spread it out. Um, a little bit of our own taking the money now that we've got the devices. Now let's come up with, the software final finalized that package a little bit of our own money to put into it to get the customers so mm-hmm. it, it's a couple of different ways and it's been some hit missing you know we've learned we've developed you know delivered something and they're like oh no no take away all these options <laughs> so we learned we got to change that and make a new interface for a production type level
0: yeah yeah interesting yeah you certainly don't want the end user changing every variable <laughs>
1: right no, <laughs> kind of,
0: <none> yeah, in- <laughs> yeah. Uh, gee, why doesn't it work the way we, we intended it to? Oh, it fails it to, right? here. Let yeah. me change these. Yeah. Look,
1: it passes now. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. Uh, we don't want to do that. Okay. Well, that yeah, that's, that is very interesting. Well, let's sum up then. I uh, come back to this. We're probably going to repeat some of the things that we said, but repetition is important. Uh, uh, for those seeking grant funding in terms of like their focus and expectations, what do you recommend?
1: Um, I think it's understanding the customer, really getting to the customer and not just the customer, but the end user. Mm -hmm. One of the things we got to do in our, uh, one of our first SBIRs is we went out and I don't think that one really went anywhere, but it, it has brought home something that we, uh, we learned from it at that point, actually going and talking to some of the technicians out on the run, you know, out on the Flight lines using Mm -hmm. the equipment. And they're like, they were very against SBIRs, the final users. Mm -hmm. They're like, yeah, we get stuff in here all the time that's just not realistic for us to use. Mm -hmm. Comes in five cases, is really heavy. And there's no way we're lugging all that out to the flight line to use it. So we asked them, well, what do you want? I mean, what? I mean, and it was interesting listening Mm -hmm. to them. And a lot of it was, you know, make it one case, it's got to be lightweight um as close to a uh control game controller as Mm -hmm. possible because Mm -hmm. that's what this you know the current people out there coming into the you know as technicians and working out and in the field that's what they're used to and they're like we just want something that's handheld and you can Mm -hmm. do everything right there and we're saying i don't know if that's possible and they're like well if you don't do that it's not going to be used Mm -hmm. so that was getting a chance to talk to those end users about what they're really looking at. Um, we also had a chance to do that with the Radom, And it's like, no, we want to bring in the guys who are out there knocking on them normally. And we want them to try this. And we want to get input from them because, yes, their bosses' bosses may want one thing. But again, if it's not something that they can easily use in the situation, it's not going to get used. Yeah. So getting in front of the end user and really looking at some of those requirements is uh, um is critical. Yeah. To have something that's going to be used later. I mean, you can come up with lots of things, mm-hmm. and it may be successful, and that it works. But will it be used
0: right i (laughs) i'm thinking back i'm laughing to myself because uh i've i've listened to stories about retrofitting united states navy destroyers with like air conditioning systems uh or (laughs) or um new fire control systems that would take up like oh sorry you know you just lost your cabin (laughs) (laughs) and this machine is going in there and uh, yeah those guys probably complained a lot um there was a lot of mothballing of destroyers after World War II, too, in in right. bubbles and things. That uh, those guys probably didn't have the choice that uh, you know the operators that you're talking to get about right. saying this is how it, it has to be. But I like that you're doing that um, because it starting with the the end in mind, right? The visualization of right. okay, how are we going to design this thing in a way that they'll actually use it um, is is so key, I think. All right, well, Becky. I appreciate you doing this. Uh, it, I think people learned a lot uh, who listened to it. And ha- who do you want reaching out to you and how can they connect with you?
1: Um, people can reach us. Our website is um And I am Becky Schultz at compasstech.com is my email. If someone wants to reach out. Uh, we have a lot of our different devices that we do. Like I said, a lot of microwave, NDE, um, both measuring materials, selling devices, setting up custom systems, robotics. Uh, So anything, any interest in those. We also, like I said, we we have the research, we have the devices that we sell, but if you just need material measure that you need to find out the properties of that material, you can send it to us and we'll measure it here because we have the devices here also, so.
0: All right, well, thanks for doing this.
1: Great, thank you.
0: Hey, thanks for joining us with Becky Schultz on the Cold Star Project here for some great details on what it's like to be running one of those SBIR, SDTR programs and being focused on commercialization. Uh, if you think you should connect with Becky, you probably should. <laughs> and uh, look, if you're a space or defense company and you're struggling with bid capture, come and talk to us at Cold Star Tech. We could work alongside you. I know there's a lot of companies that will give you assessments and tests and stuff like that and tell you where you're at and we can do that too. But I've been hearing a lot of complaints from defense contractors specifically that no one will work with them or do it for them, right? And so we are available to design an innovative bid capture process alongside you. Not railroad you or fire anybody or make anybody look bad, but to get your team functioning at the highest level possible. Also, there's something I found out about when it comes to commercial development of SBIR and STTRs. Uh, There is a set-aside, it's called TABA, Taba Technical and Business Allowance, specifically for uh, this kind of sales process help. You can get up to $50,000 additional uh, for help from an organization like ours. All right, so look into that TABA thing. And uh, I think that'll be valuable for you if you're running one of these grant projects. All right, this is Jason Kanigan, president of Sales on Fire. I look forward to talking with you next time.